Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. Hear more about what made my pregnancy so pleasurable. It's a myth that pregnancy has to be full of pain. Pregnancy has been one of the best experiences of my life. Listen to my tips and story for anyone who wants to get pregnant now and in the future, or anyone who has friends or family members who are pregnant. I am so excited to share with you about my pleasurable pregnancy. And yeah, just get into some tips and nuggets of wisdom from what I've learned in books and with healers and teachers and just in my own experience and my own journey. Now, let me be clear. I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. This is just my own experience. But I wanted to share because part of the pleasure path is finding pleasure in a variety of life's experiences And experiences which can sometimes be judged by society as painful or as challenging could actually be a doorway into greater pleasure. Some of you may have heard of orgasmic birth. You know, if you look at the way that media portrays birthing, it's all about screaming and pain and yelling at your partner and, you know, get me the epidural and all of those things. And it doesn't have to be that way. One of the books that I'll be talking about later is called Orgasmic Birth. And there's also a movie of the same title. And it talks about how birth can actually be one of the most pleasurable experiences of a woman's life, you know, the biggest orgasm basically that she's ever had. And so I want to rewrite the narrative on pregnancy and talk about how you can make your pregnancy even more pleasurable. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not pregnant, and I don't plan to be pregnant anytime soon. But this might be for your sister or a colleague or a friend or someone who is planning to get pregnant or who is already pregnant. I'm going to talk about conception and also talk about the pregnancy itself. I will do a separate episode on birthing when baby Ruby is born. Her due date is uh, is less than two weeks from now. So it could be very soon. And we're in that sacred window. Um, and I wanted to take the time before I got into the world of being a new mama to just share what I've learned in this experience and the hopes that every woman can have a pleasurable pregnancy and really enjoy this sacred, sacred time. I'm already feeling sad that I'm going to not be pregnant in a few weeks. Obviously, I'm feeling delighted and so excited to meet our little baby girl. But it is uh, one of the most special things being pregnant that I've that I've ever experienced. And I want that for everyone. Now, every body is different. Every woman is different. Every baby is different. And every pregnancy is different. So this is not to say that if you have had pregnancies in the past that were really challenging, that there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. This is just to share my own personal experience and to share um, the things that, that really worked for me throughout the process. But as you'll hear later in the episode, I have had my own share, obviously, in, in being pregnant of of feeling, you know, emotions and feeling pain and feeling all those things. But I used a lot of different tools and methodology to not stay stuck there in order to shift that energy and and make this uh, the best experience possible for me and my baby. So we're going to dive first into conception, and then I'll tell you the other things that are coming. So we'll talk about conception. We'll talk about having your support team, both for conception, the pregnancy itself, and for birthing. 
We'll talk about movement and exercise. We'll talk about supplements. We'll talk about food. And then in the following episode, we will talk about partnership and a bunch of miscellaneous things, including mindset and spirituality, which is actually, I think, the most important thing um, when it comes to creating your pleasurable pregnancy. And in that next episode, I will also talk about creativity and taking advantage of this sacred window when you have more creative energy flowing through you and more connection to your womb and your creative life force than any other time in your life. Uh, And I'll also share some book recommendations. So stay tuned for part two of The Pleasurable pregnancy in the next episode. But let's dive in. So let's dive into the part about conception. Obviously, conception comes first (laughs) in order to be pregnant. And I have been fascinated lately with conception and seeing these videos of the sperm entering the egg and how that happens and um, just the incredible journey that conception really is. And it can be a challenging time to conceive if you've had fertility issues or miscarriages or other things that have been challenging along along that road. Um, you may have listened to one of my previous episodes, which was about my miscarriage and what a, in some ways, miraculous experience that was. It was deeply healing. It was also very challenging, but in many ways, deeply healing. So I'll tell a little bit about our conception journey. Uh, after the miscarriage, which, ha- which happened in December of 2018, we, we you know, were healing. It, it took me about... I think almost two weeks for the bleeding to stop from the miscarriage. And then my cycles were a little bit irregular. My miscarriage, because it was in the middle of December, happened right before the holidays, which was pretty challenging because I had really been wanting to share with Jason's family the good news that I was pregnant. And and I ended up having, you know, having the miscarriage just a few days before we flew back to see his family. So I was... I was in a a tender place. You know, I definitely ate a lot of food to comfort myself and I definitely uh, just kind of slowed everything down and I was a little bit more withdrawn from the world and from my partner and was going through, was going through an emotional time. But I remember there was a moment a few days before New Year's Eve where I just decided, you know what, I'm going to set my intention for this next year. New Year's is coming up. I'm going to just imagine month by month, how do I want to feel? You know, how do I want to feel in each month of this next year? And not even particularly related to baby, although baby was definitely on my mind. I was more thinking about me. How can I nurture and care for myself? And how can I be intentional about the year that I want to create? I tried not to let my mind go to a place of, oh, what if I don't get pregnant this year? Or what if, you know, this coming year in 2019, what if I'm just in the same place? I mean, it it could have been easy to go there, but I I tried to stay in at least a place of surrender and, uh, and coming back to myself. So a few days before New Year's Eve, I just scripted out all the ways that I wanted to feel. And I wish I had it beside me right now. It's somewhere, somewhere in my planner from last year. And it gave me a sense of, of hope, at least that I could energetically feel different things in the way I was feeling now. Again, it wasn't about the outcome of getting pregnant again. It was just about focusing on a different thing each month. So in January, I decided that my focus was going to be health. So that meant to me working out and getting back into my body because our first pregnancy was considered a high-risk pregnancy, the one that resulted in the miscarriage. I hadn't actually been working out that much. The doctor had advised that I don't work out or I don't do anything too intense other than walking. And so I decided, well, you know what? This was in December when I was planning out my year. January is going to be the month of health. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do some weightlifting. I'm going to, you know, start to move my body and feel powerful and feel strong 
And I also decided that I was going to do the celery juice thing. So if you haven't heard about the celery juice thing, there's a guy called The Medical Medium. He's written a bunch of different books. You can find him on Instagram or online. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but I will um, maybe come back to it in the next episode. So The Medical Medium has his standard book all about these different foods. And there's a section in there on fertility. He gives some energetic exercises, which truthfully, I never really did. I think I did one of them once. But then he also talks about how the body needs glucose in order to conceive, which was different than what I had been hearing a lot of. I've been hearing a lot about healthy fats and keto. And, you know, that was the, that was the bulk of what I had been hearing about. But his thing was all about fruits and vegetables, along with high quality fats like avocados and things like that. But he wasn't, you know, huge on the whole keto thing. I think he advocates a vegan, vegan diet. But I decided that, you know, starting on I think it was December 29th, the first day that I did the celery juice where you do the celery juice in the morning and it's a reset for your body. I did that religiously for the first few months of the year. So in January, my focus was on celery juice and health and working out. And I felt amazing. I felt vibrant. I felt bright. I felt like I was glowing. I wasn't pregnant at the time, but it felt really good to come back to focusing on my body because I had gained some weight in the later part of 2018 when I got pregnant and then couldn't do much working out. And then, um, you know, went through the miscarriage and all the hormones and emotions related to that. So my, my offering, my invitation is to allow yourself to have healthy carbs, vegetables like sweet potatoes or berries or fruits. I mean, I ended up eating a lot of fruit in January, which again, flies in the face of the keto recommendation, but felt really good for my body. It felt good to fill up on all of these vitamins and minerals and antioxidants with all the fruits and veggies. And I had been doing a keto diet in the summer of 2018 in July and August and September. And then I think I came off of that in October or November. But we first started trying to conceive in those summer months in July of 2018. And I do think that going back to carbs actually helped me conceive. Again, this is not medical advice. This is just my own journey. But when I started eating more fruits and vegetables, doing the celery juice, and also eating more healthy carbs, like sweet potatoes, then I, we ended up conceiving, you know, much, much sooner. So I'll get into the story of our conception in a little bit. Um, But other things that I would recommend is to focus on non baby things. You know, the month of January for me was about health, the month of February was about my business, I wanted to make plans for the rest of the year, I wanted to feel inspired, I went to a a workshop or a three-day kind of weekend thing where I got to brainstorm with other business leaders and thought leaders and coaches. And that was really, really inspiring. I mean, baby was the furthest thing from my mind. I was thinking about abundance. I was thinking about my business. I was just giving myself the space to not think about baby after going through, after going through the miscarriage. And, you know, they always say, you know, it happens when you're not thinking about it. I don't necessarily agree with that, that we should just forget about the things that we want and hope that they'll happen. Obviously, when I work with my clients on love, they've heard that myth. Love happens when you're not looking for it. And that myth is really disempowering. It's disempowering for baby. It's disempowering for love. It's disempowering, I believe, in every part of our life. And I find it ironic that that's a myth that's perpetuated typically towards women. 
you know, most, most people aren't telling men, oh, you know what? Your, your promotion happens when you're not worrying about it. They're saying, no, go for it. Grab the brass ring, you know, work late, do all the things you need to do. So with women, there's this myth that we should just be passive and give up. And with men, there's a perpetuation of the idea that they need to work hard and take action. And I think it's actually both. We need to have healthy surrender and be able to shift our focus into other areas like I did with my business and with my health. But then we also need to be able to still keep taking action. So something else important that I did in January is I started seeing an acupuncturist. Now, I had been seeing an acupuncturist in September, but it wasn't the right fit for me. She wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't the right energetic fit. So I went to see her maybe four or five times and then I stopped seeing her. But I went to see a different acupuncturist who was recommended to me from a friend actually the the doula of a friend and she's currently our doula her name is Caitlin Phillips and she has a offering called the Tao of birthing and I loved it <laughs> I loved her offering of the Tao of birthing this idea of the middle way the idea of bringing a very spiritual conscious awareness to the birthing process so I had texted her saying you know I, I had a miscarriage but I would love to work with you at some point and she said definitely go see this acupuncturist and her name is Denise Weisner she's in Los Angeles and she was amazing you know she went through my history we talked about what happened with the miscarriage on a spiritual level and on a physical level and I started seeing her every single week now I was also taking Freya so you may have heard about Freya which is a supplement that I co-founded and created with my husband as well as Marco Lam who is an acupuncturist who runs a clinic in Boulder, Colorado. And Freya is something you can get at freyahealth.com. But it's it's a great, great supplement. It's, it's hands down one of the reasons why I was able to conceive right after the miscarriage. So definitely recommend Freya. And even if you're not planning on getting pregnant right now, Freya is a huge uh, boost for your menstrual cycles, for your overall health as a woman and chi. And it's something to start doing even now, even if you're not planning to conceive, just to be more in touch with your womb and with your body and to have smoother and easier cycles and to prepare yourself for pregnancy for when you are ready. I was 38 uh, when I had my miscarriage and 38 when I got pregnant again with this with this current pregnancy. So, you know, still in range, obviously, for having having a healthy baby, but um, wanting, wanting to know that I was doing the right thing. And so to this point of taking action and surrender and that we need to do both, I think we need to trust in the greater plan and surrender to what's happening versus fighting and resisting it, which just causes more friction. But at the same time, we do need to take action. And a big part of action is actually just the preparation. So highly recommend taking Freya, highly recommend having an acupuncturist, and highly recommend honoring your health for your health's sake, not just for baby in, um, in the conception journey. So the other things that were important about the conception is to have sex when you want to have sex. I know that people will say, oh, you got to have sex when you're ovulating. And of course, our bodies have windows and, and we ovulate. But the funny thing is that when we found out we were pregnant, I was shocked because we actually, I don't re, I didn't even remember having sex during our ovulation window because I had mentioned I had gone to a conference, a three or four day conference. And I believe I was ovulating right when I was at that conference. And my husband was traveling right after the conference and we hadn't had a chance to be intimate before. And instead of feeling worried about it, I was just like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, it's not meant to be this month. And I had, I had just forgotten about it basically. 
And then in, in March, which I'll tell more about later when I found out that I was pregnant again, which was a total shock, <laughs> we had to go back and kind of look at the calendar. And the only thing that I can remember, because I know for sure that we did not have any conscious conception sex where we were looking into each other's eyes and thinking about the baby and calling her spirit in like that's the way I wanted it to be that's why I imagined it to be that's the way that we had um, had sexual experiences earlier in 2018 when we were trying to conceive but in February that later part of February when the kind of the ovulation window would have been literally the only time I remember us having sex is at some point in the middle of the night I had felt horny and like um, reached over to Jason and and he was aroused too. And then we just had like a quickie spooning, spooning each other, you know, he was spooning me. And so it was not anything in quotations conscious. And when I found out I was pregnant later in March and I shared that with my acupuncturist, she said, well, that's totally conscious. You were horny. You wanted to have sex with your husband and you did. That is a conscious act. <laughs> so we were laughing about it. But I think a lot of women will get stressed about we have to have sex at a certain time and a certain day. And then it becomes very mechanical. And yes, the mechanical part of conceiving is important, but so is the spiritual and so is the relational and so is the emotional aspect. And so for us, it was ironic that the way we got pregnant was through something very uh, primal, you know, basically spooning each other kind of sideline doggy style in the middle of the night. But that's what happened. Maybe I would have been too much in my head or too much trying to control, you know, the arrival of the soul and all of those things had we done it, had we done it any other way. So if your libido is low, if you and your partner just aren't having sex, or if you've gotten frustrated because you feel like you're only having sex in order to make a baby, not to make love or not to have that sexual connection, it is important in my mind to clear that old trauma. So that could look like working with a coach or mentor like myself with Jade Egg and other tools, or your partner may want to have his testosterone checked. Sometimes if a, if a male has a low libido and it's not trauma related, that can be why. Those are just things to consider because I think it's important to have a strong, solid sexual connection before, during, and after the pregnancy. I think that's why a lot of relationships end. And to be honest, why a lot of families um, have some conflict is because men and women aren't staying in sexual connection, and then they're passing that down to their children, uh, this weird kind of shameful or shut off part of their of their healthy sexual nature. So that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but um, the next thing I wanted to share about the conception is, in terms of the gender, you know, we we were, of course, wanting to get pregnant again in 2019. But I wasn't attaching to it needs to be a girl or it needs to be a boy. And for me, this is why I didn't. I felt that who am I to control the gender expression of this soul that wants to be born? Maybe the soul wants to be a boy. Maybe the soul wants to be a girl. Maybe the soul wants to be transgender. And this is a little out there. I'm not saying this is a theory to hang your, ha your hat on or, or anything like that. But, but I think I had a fear of being so addicted to needing to be a girl that what if I had a boy and then the boy ended up being transgender uh, or later or vice versa? What if I had a girl gender wise and she decided to identify as a boy later? I am not saying this is why people, you know, do transgender. That is not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I felt very uncomfortable deciding or, or having a strong agenda about that because sexuality and gender are so fluid now and I see them just becoming even more fluid. So 
my suggestion or my invitation is to let go of the gender and just connect more to the soul. I'm going to talk later in the second episode about books that I recommend, but one of the books is called Babies Are Cosmic, and another book is called Spirit Babies. That one's been around for a while. And they're both wonderful for connecting with the spirit of the baby, you know, the soul that you're bringing in. And that's more important in my mind than their gender, even though it's so fun, of course, to like know the gender and maybe um, get excited about that. When we found out at 12 weeks, when we did the genetic testing that we were having a girl, I was actually shocked because in my mind, I had kind of told myself it was going to be a boy because I had felt energetically that the baby that we miscarried was a girl. And so I don't know, I guess I was just maybe setting my setting my mind up for the fact that it might be the opposite gender or, or who knows. Um, but before we even conceived, I, w- I had let all of that go. And even in the first trimester, I wasn't thinking too much about it, but I just had thought, Oh, you know, maybe it'll be a boy. I don't know. And, and I don't, I don't really care. You know, it's okay either way. So in my mind, the less that we can project our desires onto our baby, both in conception and pregnancy and probably through their whole life, the better, you know, they have their own soul journey and we are their guardian, not their master. You know, we're not here to decide their fate. We're just here to love them in the best possible way as they progress on their own soul path. The other thing that feels important to mention is to try to resolve as many issues as you can with your partner before you conceive. You know, I really wanted to conceive in 2018. And I look back and I think, thank God we did not (laughs) because we had things we need to work. We needed to work through, you know, we ended up seeing a couples counselor for a lot of 2018, you know, every other week or every three weeks. And in hindsight, these were just little bumps in the road. It wasn't anything that was threatening to the relationship. But at the time, because I'm a highly emotional, highly sensitive person, it did feel threatening. It did feel scary. It did feel, um, activated in many ways. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we had that experience before conceiving to get our ducks in a row, so to speak, and to bring up our resentments and our frustrations and heal some of our traumas and change some of our patterns, the way that we were, the ways that we were relating were not as loving as they could be and not as healthy as they could be. And I can't imagine reenacting some of those old patterns with, with the baby or even with the pregnancy, because I was getting kind of worked up and emotional. So make sure that you reach out to a couples counselor or a coach or mentor, you know, Jason and I help couples with that as well, just doing couples coaching before you conceive to, to work out the resentments and the patterns. And if you are already pregnant, it's never too late. It's never too late to get some support and help. Now we're not currently seeing our therapist, but we love knowing that she's there just one phone call away if we needed to set up an appointment. So just because you reach out for help doesn't mean something's broken. doesn't mean your relationship isn't going to last. Don't just sweep things under the rug. You know, get some help. And even if you only see them for three or four sessions, what could be a better investment than investing in your partnership to create a healthy family? Another important part that I wanted to address about conception is not putting your life on hold. You know, I mentioned this when I was talking about January being my month of health and February being my month of abundance in my business is there were a lot of things that I was waiting to decide on depending on if I got pregnant or not. I found that there were business opportunities I wasn't saying yes to. And this was mainly in 2018, the second half of 2018. You know, I had stopped doing some some business things because I thought, well, you know, I might get pregnant soon. And then there was a trip to Egypt that I heard about through my good friend, Nicole. 
And when she told me about it in January, my whole body and heart and soul were a yes. But my mind was really scared because I thought, but I want to get pregnant. And if I go to Egypt, I'm not going to get pregnant because the baby's not going to want to come in there. Or what if I risk getting a, you know, having a miscarriage again and um, getting into a situation where I'm putting too much stress on my body because of the travel. And, you know, Egypt isn't exactly like the perhaps, you know, cleanest, easiest place to travel to. In my mind, that's what I thought. I hadn't been there yet. And actually, it's a great place to travel to. But you know, what I realized is that I was putting my life on hold. I was saying, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to take any risks. I'm not going to do anything big or anything that uses a lot of my energy until I, until I get pregnant. But that was kind of backwards. It turns out that once I stopped putting my life on hold and once I stopped waiting for baby in order to do things that I actually got pregnant much faster. So what I did instead is I had a bit of a heart to heart with myself and and spirit or universe or God. And I just said, you know what, I really want to go to Egypt. This feels so aligned. My mind is afraid that if I say yes, it means that I won't get pregnant until after Egypt. But if that's the divine timing, then that's the divine timing. It's okay. You know, I can wait six months to get pregnant. I can get pregnant when I come back from Egypt. However, if the baby wants to be in Egypt, if the baby and the the fetus in my womb wants to be in the temple of Isis and wants to be in all of these amazing places, then I'm totally open to being pregnant and going to Egypt at the same time. And so I just kind of left it up to God. I said, I'm going to go because I feel so strongly about it. And I'm just going to be okay if that means that we're pregnant later. And I'm going to be okay if that means that we're pregnant while I'm there. I'm going to trust that I can be pregnant and still do this trip and have a safe pregnancy. Now, to the point earlier about surrender and action, I I still took action. I still researched Egypt and made sure there was no Zika virus there. I still looked at some boards to see, you know, had pregnant women traveled there. And there was a lot of stories of pregnant women from the UK and from Europe saying, oh, yeah, I went to Egypt for a baby moon. It was great. Uh, I'll talk in the next episode about why I don't think it's a good idea to spend a ton of time on Google or on like chat boards related to pregnancy. Um, But, you know, for a little bit of snippet of information, it was it was fine for me for making this decision. And then I also reached out to the people coordinating the retreat and just let them know, hey, I may be pregnant then would that be okay? And they got back to me saying all the precautions and what the trip would be like and pieces that I may need to sit out. Um, there were certain like Qigong exercises that weren't recommended for pregnancy, but I just didn't do those. I just meditated during that time or explored the temple. So it ended up being totally fine. Um, same with my business, you know, like I had said, I had been waiting to do some certain things because I thought, well, I might get pregnant. And I had an idea in my mind that pregnancy was going to make me super tired and not very focused and that I wouldn't be able to get anything done. And that it was the start, the beginning of the end, basically the beginning of me not being able to do the things that I wanted. And that mindset was not helpful and not true. You know, I've had this most amazing pregnancy. So don't put your life on hold if you're conceiving, but still explore your options and, and understand that if you're going to do something like go on a trip, that it's not going to jeopardize the pregnancy. Like there's no Zika virus there. But on the other hand, you know, don't just stay at home sitting on your hands because you want to get pregnant because you never know if this trip or these business ideas, or maybe for you, it's writing a book or whatever that is. Maybe the baby wants you to have that done before you get pregnant, or the, maybe the baby wants to help you with those things. And so once you get started on that, the baby will come in because it wants to be part of that amazing process. There was a blog or an article written by Gabby Bernstein, 
who is the spirit junkies person. And I don't remember when the blog was, but when I was on my trip for the conference, the business conference, a woman, I had told her about kind of my miscarriage and she had asked if I had seen this article and I said no. And then I noticed and and read it and it was so beautiful because it had a very similar message. And she said, you know, she thought that she was going to have a baby many years ago and she had put her life on hold and then she kept not getting pregnant and she may have had a miscarriage. I'm not sure that part of her story. And it's obviously not my story to tell, but um, just saying, I don't know her whole history, but she basically at one point then said, you know what, I'm going to not focus on having a baby right now. I'm just going to focus on writing these books. This is what spirit wants to come through for me. And as soon as she started focusing on the book, she got pregnant. So in a small way, my story is similar. And I think a lot of women's are that we can't just put our life on hold because we want baby and we can't put baby above ourselves. Uh, my spiritual teacher, one of them would always say, you know, you can't make a baby more important than you. Baby's important, equally important. Every soul is important. But if you put baby as the most important thing in your life above your own self-care, that is showing the baby that love equals sacrifice. And we don't want that. We don't want to create out of sacrifice or obligation or you know, deprivation. We want to create out of abundance and, and out of love. So the conception story, you already heard more about the actual conception, maybe more than you wanted to hear about the conception, but the actual conception story is, is pretty funny. So um, I actually had gone to an event with Tony Robbins. I think it's called Unleash the Power Within. It's one of his big events. I had never gone to a Tony Robbins event before, and I probably never will again. I mean, it was very interesting to kind of see the way that he does things, but it was very intense, very masculine, huge, massive event, like rah, rah, you know, stand on your chair, get excited. Um, what we call in the coaching industry, a major state change, st changing your state, you know, from being, let's say depressed or lethargic to excited and pumped up. And that's great if you can sustain that, but most people can't. And so it's kind of like a high, high, and then a low, low in my experience and, and other people's experience. Uh, it's not so much that I had a low, low, but I did actually get sick afterwards. And that's common too. I think it's called the Tony flu or something like that. Um, anyway, so I had the, I had that event and it was pretty taxing emotionally and energetically and otherwise, probably because I didn't listen to my body as well as I could have. I basically was doing everything they told us to do instead of checking in, allowing myself to do what felt right for me. I was just kind of following along with the group mentality and the group energy. And that's a good lesson to not, to not do that because I could have probably navigated those experiences differently. But needless to say, afterwards, I did get run down and I didn't get sick as in feeling nauseous or puking, but I had a fever and you know, sore throat and all of those things. And it really took me out for about two weeks. I, I didn't do very much at all. I think I may have even canceled some of my group calls in my Queens of Pleasure program, which is something I never do <laughs> unless literally, unless I'm literally on a plane at the time and can't get service. I, I always take my group calls. I love my clients. I love the work we do together. I love their stories and their journey and seeing them light up and find love and date amazing, healthy partners and go on to get married and have their own families. And yeah, it's addictive in a good way. But I, I think I canceled a call or two because I was just so ill. Um, and because I was so ill, I didn't think too much of it when my period was, was not here. I just thought, oh, well, I'm really sick. So of course my period isn't here. 
But then when my period was two weeks late, <laughs> I realized, uh, you know what, maybe there's something going on here. But it didn't, it didn't occur to me to take the pregnancy test because even though months prior in our conception journey in 2018, I was taking a pregnancy test pretty much every month, like on the hopes that I was pregnant, I was a little bit neurotic in that way. You know, even if my period was just a day or two late, I'd be like, oh, maybe it's because I'm pregnant. Um, for whatever reason, in the month of March, I didn't take a pregnancy test until the very end of March. I, I wish I remembered what date we took that test on. I was, I would say it's, it was like the 26th or the 28th. It was one of the very last days in March. And I decided, well, what the heck, you know, I guess I'm going to take this pregnancy test, even though there's only one, t at the time, I didn't think there was any time in February that we conceived. Cause again, I had forgotten about that middle of the night quickie. <laughs> so I was like, well, why am I taking this test? There's no way that I could be pregnant. But then eventually uh, after two, two weeks or so of being late, I decided to take the test and it was a very clear yes, very clear yes that I'm pregnant. And I was so shocked and elated, shocked because I didn't think we had actually conceived or, or had sex at the right time to conceive or even had sex at all those last um, last parts of February. And I was also shocked because I was really sick, you know, I was to the point where I was taking cold medicine. And that's a big deal for me. I don't like taking medicine. I prefer to just use natural solutions. But I was taking Mucinex and I was taking NyQuil and I was, you know, out doing all the heavy hitters. And I was terrified that we wouldn't be able to keep the baby that even if I was pregnant now, that, you know, we would have a miscarriage or something because I don't think those medicines are, are great for anyone at any time, but especially for, for a new baby. But my acupuncturist Denise reassured me that, you know, if the baby survives this, then the baby is going to be healthy. Like the body knows what it's doing. If the baby is not healthy because of those medications, the body will, will let the baby go. And while that was great to know that my body would not carry to term a, a baby that wasn't meant to be carried to term, it was also really nerve wracking because she was basically saying, which I agree with, um, yeah, you, you may miscarriage it. You, you may miscarry this, but if you do, it's because it's not healthy. So the good news is that we, we took the test over two weeks after my last or my missed period. And so the way they count pregnancy, as some of you may know, this means that it was week six already. And you can typically get an appointment for checking the baby's heartbeat and all of that at week eight. So we really only had to wait two weeks, which was pretty amazing to only have to wait two weeks and be in that place of, I'll call it agony, uh, of, of not knowing if the body was going to keep the pregnancy or not. And there were other reasons why I was nervous, of course, because I had miscarried in December just a few months prior. And so I just was energetically and emotionally a bit bracing myself and, and pretty emotional. And that was kind of the first point in the pregnancy where I realized, okay, I have a choice. I can either go through this current part of the pregnancy, or I can go through this whole freaking pregnancy in fear, in doubt, in worry, in wondering if the pregnancy is going to stay, of wondering if the baby is healthy. And I can put a lot of mental and emotional energy into fear, or I can choose a different path. And choosing a different path doesn't guarantee that the outcome is going to be different, but it does guarantee that I'm going to feel different along the way, that I'm going to be on a path of pleasure, like this podcast is all about, and not just be on a path of staying stuck in my head or worry or, or pain, because I do think that worry is a form of pain. So I had a big uh, realization during this time of, of wondering and anxiety, and I just realized every moment that I get to carry life is a gift.
It's sacred. And once I had that realization, everything changed. I realized that I had no way to predict or control if I was going to be pregnant for two more days and then have a miscarriage, if I was going to be pregnant for two more months, if I was going to be pregnant for the whole term. I had no idea how any of that stuff was going to play out. However, I could adopt a belief and a mindset and an energy and a a sensation that really aligned me with a place again of surrender and trust and receptivity to the moment. So I kept this as part of my, my mental, I guess, um, strength going through this process was particularly in those first two weeks after we got the test back positive, but before we had seen the ultrasound and confirmed the heartbeat. Um, and of course gotten through like that week 12, week 13 kind of mile mark when miscarriages are less common. So yeah, I just said every moment is sacred. And I remember many times putting my hand on my heart whenever I would start to feel worried and just taking a deep breath and reminding myself what a gift that my body gets to carry life. What a blessing that this test came back positive and that I'm pregnant. And may I just honor the sacredness of this. And it gave me a lot of reassurance. And then in addition to that, you know, I kept doing my body-based practices, my embodiment practices that I teach my clients. I kept connecting to my heart and I kept connecting to my partner. You know, I wasn't hiding from him that there were times that I was anxious and times that I was scared and I didn't want it to be a repeat of the time before. Um, but luckily at week eight, we had an ultrasound and we got to see the heartbeat and I burst out crying. <laughs> I burst out crying that it was there and, uh, and the baby was developing because that was actually something with my first miscarriage. We never actually found the heartbeat, even though I didn't technically miscarry until week eight, um, the heartbeat never fully developed. There was the yolk sac and the fetal pole, um, but there was no actual like fetus that they could find with, with a heartbeat. And so my miscarriage was maybe a different, different kind of type of miscarriage. I forget what they call that type of pregnancy. Um, it's not a molar pregnancy, I don't think, but it might be anyway. Um, having a heartbeat was a first really good sign. So we cried and we felt excited and I still have the picture of the ultrasound of the woman who helped us was so sweet. You know, we just went to Kaiser and it was, it was really amazing. So, um, that was the point where we were really, really pregnant. Of course, when we saw the pee on the stick, the, the lines on the stick, we were really pregnant. But when we saw the ultrasound is, is when it really, when it really sunk in. And that was such a beautiful experience. And then the few weeks after that, that was like a high that we were kind of riding for a little while, but I did start to get some morning sickness. And I will talk a little bit more about the energy of morning sickness and why I think it happened, at least for me, um, and what I did to shift it and all of that uh, a little bit later. But this is kind of the first trimester uh, information (laughs) or, um, or, uh, or sharing. And so I'm going to do a little bit more about that before we go on to the next episode. So part of what helped me navigate the conception and the early stage of pregnancy was having the right team. I think every woman needs a team, whether it's just a good friend, whether it's a professional, I'm a huge fan of investing in yourself, investing in your life, investing in the things that are important to you, I mean, what could be more important 
if you want to have a healthy baby, then having the right support team. So like I said, I had been going to acupuncture every week since the beginning of January. And you know, it's $100, $125 a session. So $4,000 or so dollars a year, maybe more than that. And so I was investing in that way. I was investing in supplements, which I'll tell you about later, which supp- which supplements I really recommend. Of course, Freya, which was a huge part of my conception journey. And then I was also investing um, as, as we got further along in the pregnancy with different healers and different people that were going to support me energetically and, and emotionally. And one of those healers, one of those um, spiritual teachers, you could call it, definitely brought up a, a shadow side of spirituality and coaching as well, which is that sometimes a teacher or a healer will think that they know better than the client and that their agenda is more important. And why I'm sharing this is in a broader context that when you are pregnant, you are so much more energetically open and vulnerable and susceptible. And there may be people you interact with that you've interacted with for a long time that don't feel like the right fit in your life anymore, at least in this moment. So I had booked a session with with this teacher and I had had many, many sessions with him in the past and most of them had been wonderful. But during that session, you know, I actually felt shamed quite a bit. I had told him that I had morning sickness and, and there wasn't any empathy. It was, you know, well, there's an energy in you and that's causing it. And that will hurt the baby if you don't take care of it. So I've got to wake you up. And then he wanted to bring up my old shame. He wanted to have me sit in a corner literally and like feel the sense of shame and the sense of smallness and then trade and stand on a chair. And anyway, all of these things. And, and I left afterwards and I felt really off It was different than any other session I'd gone to. It felt um, a bit like a, I don't know, a bit like a patriarchal thing of, of a man telling me how my body should feel or shouldn't feel, of a man telling me that, oh, it's because of, you know, this dark energy in you instead of just being like, yeah, you're, you have hormones. It's okay, <laughs> you know? So I shared that experience with my acupuncturist and she was like, you know, sometimes male you know, males in this, in this area of conception and pregnancy, they really know. And sometimes they're not they're, They don't, they're out of touch. And so, you know, I haven't talked to that teacher since then. And I feel a little bit sad about that because I do appreciate him and his wisdom, but I also feel very empowered that I don't need to proactively go to teachers who are wanting to to jolt me into old trauma or wanting to bring up the past in that way, or you got to get out, get, get rid of the shame and go deep and dig deep. And, you know, you're creating this. And it kind of reminded me a bit of the same thing I experienced with the Tony Robbins, which is, um, subtle shaming of someone who's going through a difficult experience. And so I, I share that because don't be surprised if you're getting pregnant or in the conception journey, if there's people that you thought would be very supportive, that, that you don't feel aligned with. It doesn't mean they can't be in your life at some point in the future, but don't feel bad about setting really healthy energetic boundaries and being, being more aware, I would say with, I'm just going to say with men, with men in this part of the part of the process of, of conceiving and, and being pregnant. Now I will say I also have male friends slash teachers that have been amazing. So this isn't a blanket statement about men, but two of my more, I'll call them negative experiences in early stages of pregnancy had to deal with men judging or shaming me for what was happening in my body. And so the other example of that is that there was a doctor at Kaiser who had said at our, I think week 10 visit, he was telling us about nutrition and he said, 
you know, you shouldn't ever eat carbs. Like if you need to, you can have a few, but you shouldn't eat anything that's starchy or anything that's carby um, because of gestational diabetes and these other things. Now, while I agree that eating a bunch of simple sugars and refined carbohydrates are not good for you or baby, you know, if you've been pregnant or know a woman who's been pregnant, you do not crave leafy vegetables or kale or, you know, all the healthy things is not typically what the body is craving in the first trimester and, and even later. So again, doesn't mean you have to be eating French fries and waffles, but having a sweet potato now and again, or having some brown rice now and again, is not going to, it's not going to be, you know, evil. But it was interesting to me that both a spiritual teacher and a doctor were telling me about how my body should be, what I should be craving and making it wrong, making it wrong that I had cravings for other things and making it wrong that I experienced some nausea and, and morning sickness and that's why even though I want to share some tools and tips and my experience in this podcast, it's also not intended to make you feel bad for your experiences. If you're having a ton of morning sickness and a really difficult pregnancy, maybe that's just a, that's just what's happening for your body. And that's totally okay. We, we need to accept and allow first and foremost. And I have so much compassion for you because I only had a few weeks of morning sickness and it was, it was challenging. You know, my hope would be that there's something in this episode that can help you to feel better. But if not, you know, just know that you're not alone. And a lot of women have gone through this for centuries and centuries and centuries. So I'll talk more about morning sickness later, but I just want to a give you a heads up. You might want to be more mindful around male energy that's patriarchal or hierarchical or where there's a power dynamic. Don't don't fall for, you know, if they're making you feel shame or other things. And then acceptance and allowance comes first. Because when I told my acupuncturist about what had happened with that spiritual teacher, she was like, yeah, he's not your teacher right now. And I was like, what? And she's like, that is not energy that you need. You need acceptance. You need allowance. You need nurturing. You need to be just okay with exactly where you are. This is a yin time. This is a cool time. This is a reflective time. This is a quiet time. This is not a time for you to be sitting in a corner or standing on a chair or made to feel shame or triggered to bring up old stuff. Like, no. And so she helped me stay firm in my boundary of not reaching back out to that teacher. And then in terms of the doctor who had told me, you know, don't eat any carbs, uh, we, we were working with a midwife simultaneous to Kaiser. And I'll talk a little bit about that later, but I believe strongly in having both the Eastern and the Western approach. So we had seen, a, we were seeing a midwife as well as our Kaiser doctor. And the midwife is very holistic in her approach. She uses um, very solid medical tools and training. And then she also understands, you know, birthing psychology and spirituality and a lot of other pieces of the puzzle when it comes to creating new life. And so I asked her about the cravings and she said, yeah, there's a reason that your body craves certain things. You can choose the healthy option of what you're craving. It doesn't have to be the unhealthy option, but there's a reason your body is craving the macronutrients of carbs. There's a reason that you're not craving, you know, protein all the time right now, although you might later. And so she reassured me too, that the body is wise. The body knows what it's doing. We can try to find the deeper wisdom within the body. Like if you're craving, you know, pizza, is it really the pizza? Is it the carbs in the pizza? Is it the cheese on the pizza? 
And there's times you just want to eat a freaking pizza. I mean, believe me, I'm pregnant. I've done that a few times. Um, but there's other times where I craved pizza and then I asked myself, is it the pizza or is it the cheese? And my body said, no, it's the cheese. And so I either got cheese or Greek yogurt instead and it satisfied the craving. And there's other times I craved pizza and the body, my body was like, no, it's because of the carbs. And so it made quinoa or brown rice or something like that's a healthier version of the carb. So we'll get into food more, more later, but let me talk a little bit more about the birthing plan. I'm sorry, the birthing team. We'll talk about the birth plan later and, uh, and who you want to work with. So for me, my support team looked like an acupuncturist. It looked like a midwife who also does energy kind of energy work. She does my abdominal massage and other things. Pardon me. It looked like my team at Kaiser, my, um, my uh, OBGYN at Kaiser. And it also looked like having the exploration of um, different, different teachers, I would say. So the one I shared with you, I obviously only saw him once, but I had other teachers and, um, and guides. And one of them is, his name is Dr. Christopher George. He's a network spinal practitioner in Los Angeles. He's amazing, was a huge part of my journey, conception, you know, preconception, going through the miscarriage, conception timing, even though we didn't realize we had conceived, and then throughout, throughout the pregnancy. And he is a chiropractor, but he also works a lot with energy and with breath. And so if you haven't heard of network spinal care, uh, they also call it NSA, network spinal analysis, highly recommend it if you are, well, really to anyone, but especially if you're looking to get pregnant, because it will help you get in greater touch with your body and with your energy and with shifting and navigating and flowing through the ups and downs that can be the journey of fertility. Now, even though we didn't go back to the fertility clinic, I would still say that part of our, part of our support team was the fact that we had gone to a fertility clinic in the fall and we had thought at the time it's because we weren't getting pregnant. We had been trying for four or five months and we hadn't gotten pregnant. And then you may have heard in my episode about the miscarriage that when we went to the clinic to kind of check everything out, you know, he was going to look at my ovaries and the blood work and all of that. Lo and behold, we were actually pregnant then. So we never actually used their services for fertility, but it was really nice having a relationship with them and knowing that if after the miscarriage we hadn't gotten pregnant within six months or maybe even three or four months, we could have gone back to them and gotten that support. So we had a really well-rounded team of the fertility clinic, the doctor at Kaiser, the midwife who is a holistic midwife, and then these different, um, my acupuncturist, and then these different kind of teachers and healers that were more ad hoc. There was also a woman, and, and she's still in my life, who was really helpful, and her name is Hillary Booker, and she is an astrologist. And I've never been huge into astrology, although I think it's interesting, but I had hired her for the whole year of 2019 for her program called Commune with the Moon. And Commune with the Moon means that I got, and I still get, a monthly reading from her about what's happening in the planetary cycles. We have a once-a-month Skype call or, or a Zoom call, check-in video call, and that was just a gift to myself. It was not with the assumption that it's because I was going to get pregnant. It was just with the desire to take care of myself. So she was a big part and has continued to be a big part of my support team and holding the torch of feminine wisdom. You know, my acupuncturist is a female, my midwife is a female, and Hillary is a female. And to me, it was important to have some women in my life during this process. I should also say that my facialist, Rebecca Casper Abuwaf, um, she's a mama and she had a baby a few years ago and she is just a, an amazing teacher and healer and, um, and friend of mine. And so she was also a big part of this, 
of this journey. I only saw her maybe once every six weeks, but it was a safe space where I could share and just be nurtured. You know, I think it's really important that you allow yourself as you become a mother to be mothered and receive that nurturing because you're going to be creating a life. And that takes a lot of energy and that takes a lot of changes in your identity and, and in a lot of pieces of your life. So other pieces of the birth team and the the support team, I should say, that I think are important is to choose what feels good to you and what feels safe. Choose people that you trust that have both wisdom and expertise. Um, we also talked to a potential doula that we're, we decided not to work with, and it just didn't feel right to me. You know, nothing wrong with her or her approach, but it just didn't feel good. And I remember talking with some of my girlfriends, and they were saying, this is probably one of the biggest things your body will ever go through. It has to feel good, because I couldn't intellectually put my finger on why. I, I didn't feel like it was totally aligned with this person. And thank God I have some good girlfriends who were reminding me that I get to choose what feels right for me and I don't have to intellectually justify it. And it turns out that our current doula has a wealth of experience. I mean, 20, 30 years of experience. And the other person we had talked to had only had maybe five or 10 years of experience, which is still amazing. But there was a difference in their energy and there was a difference in their grounding and in their wisdom and expertise. And I think, I think my body picked up on that. As I mentioned, I think it's important to have a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and approaches. I think we need both. Um, we also did a birthing class that was a little later in the pregnancy. Um, the birthing class is something you don't need to worry about until you're, I think, in your third trimester or second trimester. But you do want to make sure that the birthing class actually aligns with your birth plan. You know, we're planning on doing a home birth. And I didn't realize at the time that the birthing class was going to mainly be about hospital stuff. So pick your team based on wisdom and expertise and people that you trust and feel good and safe to you. Be careful of male energy like I've been talking about. Um, and then also, if you're taking classes or hiring other service providers, make sure that it aligns with what you really want so you're not putting a lot of energy into something that you don't want. And then the other thing about the support team is just being clear and asking them what they provide and what they don't provide. This is honestly so that you don't double dip on services or double up on services when you don't need to. So we took this birthing class, but turns out our doula would have taught us the same things. In fact, she came over to our house after we'd taken the birth class and was showing us all the anatomy stuff. And we were like, oh, we, we took a class like this. And she's like, oh, shoot, I didn't I didn't know that because I always teach this to my clients. And then same thing with lactation. I had started researching a lactation counselor just in case we needed for when the baby comes. And good thing I checked in with the midwife first and asked her, you know, and I said, I don't even think I asked her. I just said, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, exploring lactation, lactation consultants. And she said, oh, you don't need to because I'm going to see you, you know, the, when the birth happens, the next day, day three, day five. And I can totally help you make sure that the baby is latching. So don't even worry about that. So have a support team. And I imagine or I suggest having someone that's a spiritual ally. For me, that's Hillary or Dr. George. I suggest having someone that's a, you know, body-based ally in the Eastern tradition. For me, that's Denise, my acupuncturist. I suggest having a holistic doctor. For me, that's my midwife, as well as your regular, you know, HMO or, or regular doctor. That may be one and the same. You, know, you may have a doctor you love who kind of blends both modalities, or you may decide not to go at all with the Western route. But to me, it was helpful to have have all of those. And so, yeah, make sure that you have the right support team, but that you don't have too big of a support team. And then the other support team that 
obviously is very important is your partner, your partner is your primary support team. And then your friends, having good girlfriends, having people that you can talk to, having people that are um, like my friend, Rebecca, who's also my facialist that are just a good place where you can feel loved and you can feel nurtured. So there are so many other things that I want to share about the pregnancy, about how to make it pleasurable. I want to give you all the goodies on the supplements that I used and the food and um, how Jason and I have kept our relationship strong, how I've tended to my body and had such a, such a beautiful experience, plus all of these nuggets about spirituality and honoring the sacred window. But I feel like this is a good stopping point. So we are going to stop part one here and stay tuned for part two of the pleasurable pregnancy. Mwah. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love. Because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.